Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts, and myself, Doug Ireland. Dougie, we finally have Maple Leafs hockey. The boys are back on the ice. What did you think of last night's game? We'll touch on everything else shortly, but what did you think of the game last night, my friend? Well, I'll tell you what. The uh, the first 30 seconds or so, I was very worried. <laughs> That, uh, that opening goal, that opening shift, that was just, you know, that's not how I envisioned the start of the season, you know, going. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if you think back to last year when I did my prediction season videos, but I predicted the Leafs to stomp the Ottawa Senators. And for whatever reason, it seems to be a growing trend that Ottawa comes out feisty and fighting. And it may be because everybody's counting them out or they have the, uh, the grind it soldier mentality. But that team there is the epitome of don't just write us off. Otherwise, we will jam it down your throat. And they tried to last night. And look at former Leafs all over the place. Tyler Ennis running them up. You have uh, Ron Hainsey shooting that goal. It didn't count because they were offside. But Connor Brown assisting on that goal 25 seconds in. The Leafs' fingerprints were all over this game on both sides of the puck. But... Again, I was thinking to myself, this is going to kick me right in the arse, and I'm going to feel it really hard again. Because Ottawa fans, I don't know if you remember, Doug, they're not very forgiving <laughs> when you pick their team to lose and they stomp the ever-loving crap out of your Maple Leafs. So I don't know if you remember that, but I yes. sure do. Oh, yes, I do. And I remember uh, there was a little bit of a thing with a certain guy by the name of Brian Five or Six, if I recall. <laughs> yeah, Brian's always good for a good video and a good laugh. I love Brian. Does a lot of good things for the Ottawa Senators and the, the Ottawa Senator region. But going back to last night's game, the thing that everybody was talking about going into the game was front of mind for everyone. We were all excited about it. Everybody is rambling about it. And it was Jason Spezza not playing against the Ottawa Senators on opening night, yet sitting in the press box. I'm going to tell you right now, Doug, Jason Spezza does not last the entire year with the Maple Leafs. What? He will be released. Really? What makes what makes I you do st- not think he stays. So you don't think that just before we go any further, because I forgot to do this at the top of the show, I want to take this time to thank our sponsor, MSFI.ca. Make sure you visit them at MSFI.ca. But back to what you were saying, uh yeah, I, I don't know about that, man. You know, like the guy at the end of the day, he's still Jason Spezza, just like at the end of the day. Patty Marlowe was still Patty Marlowe. Like, like first of all, I, I think it's, I definitely think that it's preemptive to say that before the guys even played a game here. Like, I mean, difference in, difference in contract. It's true. You have Six million plus in Patty Marlowe that you can't just bury in the minors. And Jason Spezza, you can send him down, and it does not reflect against your cap. After you see the way Babcock talked about it yesterday, wanting him to be a penalty kill player. And if you look at the advanced stats on Jason Spezza, and I don't dabble a lot in them, but if you listen to what people are saying, his defensive numbers are crap, his possession numbers are crap. So what are you looking You're looking at this guy to be your fourth-line center, and what does Babcock want out of his fourth line? He wants energy, puck possession, and he wants to drive the play in the other zone. Obviously, Spezza can win you the draw, but after that, it doesn't seem like he can keep up with the flow of game. And the reason why I'm saying Jason Spezza won't last with this team, his contract can be buried down in the minors, but I think you see a mutual termination of the contract. And after the comments from Spezza yesterday about being disappointed, 
Is he going to be continually disappointed all season long? Is he going to be pissed off every time that he has to sit? Is he going to be pissed off if he doesn't get his cookies? Uh, and do we need I, that in the locker room? I, I, I'm wondering if we need that around the team. I think I think you might be like you're not. You're not an NHL hockey player if you're not disappointed to not to if you're like if you're not playing and you're not disappointed, then what are you doing in the NHL? Like I feel like that's just a that's just a hockey player's response, and I don't. And by that I don't mean like it's a response that you know you expect hockey players to give. I think that's like that's just a, a response you give if you're the type of guy that competes as hard as an NHLer would. But uh, re- remove that fact of the fact that you're an NHL player and you're disappointed that you're not making the opening night lineup. Here's the thing, okay? And this is it's already been going on since camp where he's spurring little words Babcock is towards Spezza, and then you look at this part here. Okay, it's the opening night. James, I think we lost you there, bud. Ontario, that he was on the other side at one point. You think this would be a game that you want him to be in? And you want him to be a part of, right? Sorry, James, you cut out there for a minute. You think this is a game that you be a part of? And be able to be in the lineup and, and you know, produce and and have an impact in this game, but unfortunately that did not happen. So I see it as what else is Jason Spezza going to be upset about? And this is not the thing we should be talking about at the beginning of the season. Unfortunately, it is, though. Well, I just I just don't see I – can't, I can't see judging a guy uh, before he's even had a chance to play a regular season game. Like what if he comes? What if he comes out? What if he? But what if he comes out and he scores a hat trick his first game, and then goes a point per game for the next fifteen games after that? Like you know what I mean? You can't. You can't give. Yeah, like he's never played a game in a Maple Leafs uniform. For all we know, he could come out gangbuster as soon as he gets the opportunity, right? And maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe that's the key of Mike Babcock trying to spur him. But I, honestly, and we all know this about Mike Babcock. When you start to fall down Babcock's ladder, you don't climb back up it. <laughs> you look at guys like Justin Hall. You look at guys like um, Josh Levo. Um, the list goes on. Guys that are basically practice squad guys that never really get a game chance unless it's absolutely necessary. So I'm just wondering, and I hope it's not true, but I'm wondering if he's starting to slide down that Babcock ladder. And it's you know it might be to do with play, um, it might be to do with pride, and who knows if they can cohesively go together. I know it's after game one, but it was a big story yesterday. It was a big story in camp. This guy came at an entry level deal, wanted to play with the Maple Leafs, and everybody was excited. And then of course Babcock throws some cold water on it. Maybe it's to temper expectations, and hopefully back. Hey, you know, Doug, I hope you're right. I hope Jason Spezza can go out and shoot the lights out. For whatever reason, I don't see him finishing the year as a Maple Leaf. I just don't. Well, it's it certainly would be better for the Leafs if if that's if that's how this ha- like played out. But at at the end of the day, you know, uh, we're talking about a team that has lots of depth. Uh, we're certainly not going to struggle to fill fill our fourth line this year. Um, I mean, personally, I would rather see Jason Spezza succeed in a, in a Leafs uniform than not. Whether I want oh, yeah, that sure, at the sure. at the expense of say uh, a Nick Shore, I don't know. Like I just want whoever is the best in that spot, and I'm not particularly. Con- I don't find, think that that's something to be concerned about if you're a Leafs fan. I don't think you're going to be putting Spezza in out of 
uh, respect or pity. I think that if he's going to be playing games for the Leafs, it's going to be because he has something to offer us. At least that's that's Definitely. you know. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. You know, if your skill isn't there, and the only thing you can do is add to our power play, which we already have a very sick power play, and add to faceoffs. Well, really, the only thing you're adding is the faceoffs. And if you can't do anything else with the puck five on five, or even shorthanded, then you know what are we going to do? You need speed and skill, and he obviously has the skill, but the speed may no longer be there. But Move on from this, um, yep. just to let you know that Timothy Lilligren was sent down today to the Marlies, and they did call up Nick Patan. They do have that window of 30 days to be able to call up guys like Augustino, Patan, Harper, and all that, they, where they don't require waivers to go back down. They can go up and down as much as they want. So Nick Patan is up with the team now. So take that as much as you want. I don't know if it's a reflection of who didn't play well last night or it's another guy that they're going to cycle in and out. Um, again, uh, Patan is now up, so and I think Patan had a really good, uh, a really good preseason. So we'll see where he shakes out, where he fits in the lineup. Well, something uh, that Papa Ireland pointed out while uh, while I was watching, because I was able to catch the uh, the beginning of the the game before I had to go uh, go off and watch a bunch of old timers skate around instead, uh, is that the Leafs have not had too many serious, like for real, preseason games. This team has not played as a team very much, like. The, the way that it looked on opening night may have actually, I think that was only the either the first or the second game where that particular group of players was on the ice together all, all at once. Um, so it's going to be a feeling out process. I think that's why we're seeing uh, Lilligren being sent down, Patan being called up. I would expect to see more of that because now that you have the majority of the team set, like, you know, we're, we're, you can be reasonably confident that Sandine probably isn't going anywhere, at least for the next few games. You can start. No, he's not going anywhere all season. If anybody's <laughs> coming out of that lineup for Dermot, yeah. it's going to be a uh, Marty Marincin. Oh, man. well, you, like, but that's that just like I'm saying. Like, this is the opportunity to figure out who is going to work best chemistry-wise with each other. Who's going to who's truly ready to step into an NHL role? You just you learn so much more from regular season games than you do from preseason. And I think that's that's what this whole Patan Lilligren situation is about. Like I didn't see anything that was just like, man, they need to send Lilligren down. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, Lilligren didn't even play last night, right? He's in the press box. That, well, that's that's what I mean. I didn't see anything that like it's uh. And who else was there? there was someone else in the press box too, right? Uh, Spezza. Spe no, there was someone else. That's what I mean. It was Lilligren, Spezza, and uh, somebody, wasn't it? Or was it only two? I don't. I don't. I think it was only two. But anyways. Yeah. Um. You know, looking at this squad, you're right. You're going to see what you're going to get. And I'll tell you something right now, Doug. Something you are seeing and something you are going to get is a wicked player in Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah. If he can play like he did last night for a duration of 82 games now, keep in mind, guys, this guy here played in the KHL, and he has not gone through the rigors of an 82-game season. So you don't know if this player is going to slow down towards the end of the year, and you don't know how his body and everything is going to keep up. Obviously, he's a finely tuned athlete. It's hard to make the NHL. Only the 1% of them do. But I'm just saying, different breed of hockey, different style. So you never know what he's going to be all season long. But if he can play this way, whoo, he was after the puck. He was hitting. He got the goal. His hands were there. I, I'm excited for this guy, man. I'm really excited for McKayev. And Sandine did not, not impress me, honestly. I watched him play. He got the assist, his first NHL point, and just the puck moving and just smart little decisions. 
those are the things you need out of a guy who's not only a rookie, but just getting his feet wet in the NHL. And Morgan Riley said he had Dion Phaneuf to bring him along, but Morgan Riley said that, you know, with Sandine, you didn't really need to give him that guidance. He had a full year under his belt in the AHL professional hockey. Now he's coming into the NHL ready. So I'm very excited for those two guys. Doug, what are your thoughts on Ilya Mikheyev and Rasmus Sandin? Well, Sandin, you know, you wouldn't know that the kid was 19 years old just by looking at him. You really wouldn't. Uh, in, in terms of development, he's he's right there. I can I can certainly see what Babcock said. Uh, his con- his comment that Babcock made is, I put him through everything, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. I put him through everything. I, I put him in good games. I put him in bad games. I shifted him for half the game, and he just kept up with everything. That is very true. This is, this is a kid that's, to me, 100% ready for NHL uh, play. Uh, the only thing that you can't measure is sustained NHL hockey. Like, you know, and, and like, I'm not going to say anybody can, but I would say there's probably a significant portion of AHL players that can come out and play like, you know, half a dozen, even less, th- somewhere between three and ten games of, of NHL style and quality hockey without looking like they're behind, a step behind, or, you know, that they aren't there. And then the more they play, the more they fall off. So we don't really know that for sure until he gets, you know, 15, 20 games of NHL hockey under his belt. But it certainly suggests that he's going to be capable of that. I mean, younger guys generally, they got a bit more pep and stuff. So, And he looks like his, his skill level is there for certain. Whether or not he has the, the stamina, there's only one way to find out, and that's to play him enough games to find out whether or not he has stamina. So I got no problems with Sandine. Uh, Mikheyev, same thing. Uh He's, if anything, I'd say Sandine was was playing, you know, his level of hockey that he's capable of playing. Mikheyev may actually have been playing above himself. Which, like I said, there's guys in the AHL that can go a certain number of games and look like NHLers, but then the longer they play, the worse they look. I'm not saying that's what Mikheyev is, but I'm just saying that to me, I saw a guy that was playing better than he's capable of. He was playing up to the level of players that were around him. Uh, whether he's going to be able to grow into that and maintain that, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I certainly liked what I saw from both of them. What I actually, in particular, what I really liked was our bottom two lines, and especially in that uh, opening period, that first like five to ten minutes, the our like top two three lines, they did not look too good. <laughs> they really didn't. They were having like off shifts. They were they were behind the pace of the game, and then our, every time our third and fourth line went out, they just they were rocking. They were up and down the ice. They were they were sticking with the play. They were generating scoring chances when the other uh, other lines weren't. That's the type that's of depth. what you need, though. What? You know, it's kind of what you need out of your bottom two lines. If your top yes. two lines, yeah. or whatever, you, you, they both shouldn't be sluggish, but the bottom line should be able to bring the energy, and that's what Babcock's no always what. talking about. Yeah. Pushing the play, you know, hits, you know, making sure you do all the small things right, but keeping the puck down in the ozone, and that way, you know, when your top two lines finally get out there, the puck's already in that zone, and you have a better opportunity of putting the puck in the net. But, yeah, you're right. They were definitely sluggish in the, in the first period. I mean, it's, now, to be fair, uh, the number of times I've seen teams come out, uh, do an opening ceremony, go out and stand on the blue line for, like, five minutes, including the anthem, that, you know, that a lot of times that takes the wind out of your sails. There's a, all that pressure, that build up, and then a sudden, like, just relaxing relief. It's It can be hard to get going again. I've seen it time and time again with the, the teams that I do in the OGHL. Uh, it's It's... It's a, it's like a freeze in the kicker in football. It's the exact same thing. There's this huge buildup, and then it's like nothing. Like you're getting all psyched up and pumped up, and then just the fact that you're literally on your feet standing there for five minutes 
or so, you know, that 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 ices you. That gives you like you know you're not you're not in your your pre you're not like when you're in the tunnel. Guys are getting jacked up. You can see that even uh, the the Patriots uh, when they come out of their dressing room and they're waiting for the starting lineups to come up for the clock to count down or whatever. You can see them like jumping around like. Whew, we're getting into it and stuff like you know that's that's what you do and you don't get to do that when you have to stand there on the on the blue line and look professional for five minutes that takes the wind out of your sails straight up you know uh so i think that's what we were seeing uh i think the evidence of that being true is the fact that you know matthews went on and got two goals Tavares was humming all night nylander was humming all night like after that like opening five ten minutes to get back Can into the pace of the game we talk about nylander for a second Holy oh yeah baby smokes. This guy, I got him in both my pools in fantasy hockey, and everybody was lamenting the fact that I took this guy. Like, oh, I don't know what you're doing there. Look, this guy is going to go beast mode. He not only had a breakaway chance last night, the guy probably could have had two goals and an assist, hooked up with Matthews on a sick goal. I mean, oh. me later, I think he's going to go full beast. I want to cut you off. I want to cut you off about that sick goal. You're actually you're going to have to go muted because I can't make my phone reaching up here on camera, so just one second. But, folks... This is what happened to my phone because of William Nylander, all right? I don't even know if you can pick that up on the camera. It is shattered. <laughs> shattered. I dropped my phone. I was watching. Now, I already mentioned it earlier. Hold on. Let me get James back here for a second, guys. All right, James, you there? Of course. So, my f- back of my phone is cracked. I, was in- I had my phone in my hand while I was watching that sauce d- uh, dish pass uh, from Nylander to Matthews. I dropped my phone and it shattered. William Nylander, you owe me a brand new phone, all right? <laughs> That's like, what the hell? I could not believe how good that. When I saw the, the guy's stick comes down, I'm like, okay, he's going to block Nylander's pass. And he just sauced it right over like mint. That's That was one of the cleanest goals that I've seen. It takes that's that's performing under pressure right there when you're on a two on one rush like that and the guy gets his stick down to block the, the pass across and you go tape to tape less than ten feet away from the goal. Oh baby. Anyways, I'm sorry I cut you off there. I just I had to go off for a second. <laughs> no no no. I'd just say Nylander is gonna have a sick season this oh, year. Oh yeah. Here's the best thing. Okay, we haven't even talked about this yet. But you watch the Maple Leafs lineup like you said, standing on the blue line for five minutes, you know, announcing the team, getting everybody out there. Then they skip over. Mitch Marner. Then they skip over Morgan Riley, Austin Matthews, and of course they skip over John Tavares before Tyson Berry. So you know something's there. But they added the intrigue. They did a great thing. And I want to pause for the cause for one second and just say this. Brian Burke, I don't know what stick is up your butt lately, man. But seriously, you sat there and you're single handedly I I think you're ruining the Sportsnet broadcast just to let you know. You sat there, and they, they say, what do you think of all this? you think it's great? Nope. Could have got two days of news out of this one, Johnny. Well, dude, it's not you. You're, you're just pissed off <laughs> because the Leafs didn't do good when you were at the helm, and you didn't do this. You didn't bring this kind of level of excitement and readiness to the Maple Leafs. Sorry, Mr. Truculence, you didn't. And I was damn excited when you became the GM of the Maple Leafs. But don't dare sit there and start making yourself think, you're better than what's going on because you're not. This team is way leaps and bounds better than whatever you could have been. But let's go back to what I was about to talk about. <laughs> you line those guys up on the line. The intrigue is there. Everybody's excited. Everything's humming. They announce, boom, Mitch Marner from Thornhill, Ontario. A. Then you got Morgan Riley from out west. A. And then from Scottsdale, Arizona, the whole crowd just went ape. And then, of course, he gets the A. 
and then John Tavares, which, by the way, Maple Leafs PR, that video you did putting John Tavares' little newborn son in that jersey and doing all of that with his wife and then bringing him into the room to announce his captaincy to him was wicked. That is the way that you do it. I love the fact they show Shani holding the baby and just what kind of level of family and interest interest is what well, I can't even say the word. You know what I mean. The yes. fabric is woven. That's what I'm trying to say. You're putting family and team together, and it looks wicked. I can't speak today, guys. Just so everybody knows, I am sitting in my work truck at work, downtown Halifax, parked on a gravel lot doing this today because I love my Maple Leafs, and I love doing offside hockey talk. So I will find a way anytime, any way, any place. But announcing that captaincy for John Tavares is awesome. The only thing that I'm a little bit about is Austin Matthews having the A on the road and Mitch Marner having the A at home. It seems a little weird to me. I don't know if it's just because they want him to be someone to deal with on the road or they didn't want to give it to give him anything at home out of the disappointment for the situation. I don't know. But I want to say congrats to the Leafs organization for the way they put that out there, the way they put everything together from the video to the whole announcement for John Tavares. It was awesome. And in warm-ups, nobody's wearing any letters. Just build, 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 build the intrigue. Cannot wait for the season done. I'm so pumped after last night. Now, now did, and I, did, didn't so, somebody uh, uh, a year ago say that uh, – a certain guy would would end up being the Leafs captain. Didn't someone didn't someone predict that about a year ago? Didn't we pick up a certain guy over the summer? And then someone said, "Oh, you can't make him captain right away because he has to go through a year of being a Toronto Maple Leaf and dealing with Leafs fans and dealing with Leafs media and going through the Green Mile pipe." I seem to recall some guy saying that on some sort of podcast. You remember who that was, James? I don't remember anybody saying that ever. It was me. You keep what are you talking about? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you this, okay? I did a prediction season video yesterday, and I used it last year. You called I it. think once or twice. You did call it. But no, 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 no. I didn't call it. You called it. I called but it a year ago. You called it yesterday. And, and honestly, the, the the time gap between those two, like, very, very different. I feel like yours in, in is one of those rare cases where making the call right before it happened may actually have been worth more just because of the environment that Leafs Media was going through than the lead up to that. Like... Well, I don't know if you re- realize the jersey I was wearing, what was on that jersey, but I bought that jersey and had the C put on that a year ago. <laughs> I've had that jersey, and you can go back and watch some of the old prediction season videos. I think I wore that jersey twice last year, but it is a John Tavares captaincy jersey. Well, there was a lot of speculation that that's, that was why we got him, was to be the, the captain of the Maple Leafs. Like if this if well here here's the oh I didn't even get to talk about this <laughs> so apparently and this is might blow your mind because I don't know if you read Thirty One Thoughts by Elliot Friedman and if anyone listening to this does not take the time to read Thirty One Thoughts or listen to Thirty One Thoughts podcast you're out of your flipping mind because they're both great a read and a great listen and that's not a plug for those guys don't work with them don't talk to them don't know them <laughs> but both things are amazing in Thirty One Thoughts Elliot Friedman does say that the decision to name John Tavares, the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, came three or four days before everything came to light with Austin Matthews. I believe it. I think so, it was made a year ago. 
that decision was already made. So the thing that happened and the factoring in of all of this stuff and all they took it away from him because of, well, apparently no, and apparently Austin was on board before all that came out. So let's put that to bed, that Austin Matthews is going to be upset and, and angry. You know, I mentioned it when we were talking to Lance Hornby, but that coming out just shows me, okay, not only does Austin Matthews support this decision, but Austin Matthews also is a more mature and bigger person than maybe some give him credit for in certain situations. So, you know, he could have been pissy and moany that, hey, this is my team, I've been here longer, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Obviously he gave the vote of, hey, this should be who it should be. And I don't know if his word meant anything, but the fact that he supports it and is happy, and after he scored that first goal last night, did you see how amped that boy was? <laughs> he was jacked up. So I'm excited for this season. Everything's fallen into place. We have great defenders, finally, that we can look at. We have six forwards. We have a rotating cast for our fourth line that last year we would have killed for over Pyle Lindholm and the likes. So, dude, this season's going to be freaking wicked. And offside hockey talk going two times a week? Come on, and we're live right now? Are you kidding me, boys? <laughs> this is wicked. Can I ask one thing? Because I, I get the feeling we're, we're, we're about to wrap it up here. I want to get your opinion on one specific player. What were your thoughts on Cody Cece? You know what? Cody Cece just did what he was told. You know, ultimate foot soldier. Uh, you know, he's not there for, for offense, but he did he did put some pucks on the net. But, you know, pucks in deep, the, the cliches, man. You know, he's there to support Morgan Riley, who's going to be more, uh, I don't know if you've seen it last night, but burn and turn, just get up the ice and do what you want with the puck. Yeah. Same with uh, Tyson Berry. Did that twice, but, two or three times. Know, three, two or three really good rushes from Morgan Riley. Like, And I mean, solid, like, there Muzzin. were a couple other ones. So there's two or three really solid ones, though. Even Muzzin had the same, you know, buzzing in his feet. But I'm just saying, you know, Muzzin and CC, I think, you know, more so CC than Muzzin, but they're there to support the offensive antics or offense antics that, that um, Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry will get into. Yeah. And they're there to be that pillar. We know that they have the foot speed to get back, but those guys will be the support, and that's what you're supposed to have. Um, and, you know, it looked good, too, especially when uh, Muzzin decided to start buzzing, you know, that Barry was back a little bit to carry the load. And, you know, it was pretty uh, – I'm excited about it, man. CC, you go back to your nucleus of your question. He was where he needed to be. He did what he needed to do. Obviously, the first goal sucked uh, to have that go in. But you know what? I look at things in life, whether it's the start of your day, start of a new job, whatever. You want the worst possible things to happen right away right away so you can get them out of the way shake it off and move forward and build towards positive because if you start at the ultimate high of highs with some things sometimes it's impossible to keep attaining that but if you have a bad situation to start from you can look at it it cannot get much worse we need to build and be positive and just look for positive little things to keep going and you can use that in everyday life i mean like i said your day starts off like crap just look at it hey how can i turn this around and just keep building to better and better. And I think that's what CC did. It sucked the first play of the game, and you built it to a better thing at the end. So that's I what I, I think CC is going to do. I don't even count that first play. Like, like between the everything, all the build-up to this, and the guys not really even having a, a, a true full squad game, I'm not even considering that first goal. Um, there were a couple, couple plays where he looked shaky, but when I see a player look shaky, what I look to see is how he reacts to that, how he adjusts. 
and and he, every single time he was he got back and I think there was one I can't remember I think it was a partway through the second period where he had the the puck come come off his stomach and he scrambled for a second and then he stopped himself and then he cleared the puck away there were a couple little plays like that sprinkled in throughout the game with him where he kept his composure that's all we need from him we have Tyson Berry we have Jake Muzzin we have Morgan Riley uh, we have Marty Marinson apparently <laughs> hey Doug yeah. I'll tell you this it's a heck of a lot more for your confidence to be playing with a team like the Maple Leafs. It's another thing to be asked to be a, a number one or number two yeah. on the Ottawa Senators when they have nothing. nothing. Yeah. So That's when you right. put a person in a position to succeed with other things around him to help him succeed, I think we may see the best version of Cody Cece. And keep in mind, guys, the guy's only 25 years old. So yeah. he's not exactly mm-hmm. ancient, washed out. Lots so of room to grow. There may be a salvageable project here that either we trade at the trade deadline or we keep for the year and let him walk. Who knows? I mean, but the way I look this, at it is, is if he said, right? Yeah. If, if, if he's one of the worst defensemen on the team, we're, we're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're good. That's that's fine with me. I can deal with that easily. Much much better than last year and, uh, and other years prior. I can. That's I'm totally on board with that situation for our defensemen. So, Doug, i got a question for you, okay? So, Friday night, we have the Columbus Blue Jackets. And you best believe that I'll be hitting up our friends over at uh, Inside the Neutral Zone oh, yeah. and Ryan Lacey because those are huge Columbus Blue Jackets fans. Shout out to everything they're doing. But I'm going to be reaching out to those guys because we play Columbus. Now, when we play Columbus, Doug, who do you think is going to be between the pipes? Uh, probably Anderson, right? Well, Saturday night, we take on the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not as worried about the Canadians as I am about Columbus, right? I mean, are you? What, what well, would you? I'd, I'd go. I would go Anderson and then uh, uh, Hutchinson. There's a lot of talk about going Anderson, Anderson, um, mm. because it's early in the season, and you know what? That's get how guys get there, hurt. Roll them, roll them, roll them. But my thought is, you go Hutchinson on Friday because Columbus, and I know I'm going to talk about this in my prediction season video, but they are a team that is depleted. Um, you know, a lot of their star power is gone, but they're a team you would not take lightly. But I think that's the uh, the game that you put Hutchinson in, and you put him in against Montreal because of what it is. And you know what? Maybe Babcock won't because we've seen, hey, the Spezza thing. So maybe it'll be Hutchinson, and or maybe it'll be uh, Anderson than Hutchinson. But I think you put uh, Anderson in Saturday night. But we'll find out soon. I'm looking this weekend, and shoot me now, Leafs fans, but I'm looking for – a one and one this weekend. I, you're looking for one and one. So which game? One win, one loss. I'm looking for us to beat Columbus and probably lose to Montreal. Oh really? See now I would have said I guess I would have said the other way around. Um, except that I think we're probably going to win both games. Uh, we have there's just so much momentum coming off of this uh, win against Ottawa, which really, uh, quite frankly, there shouldn't be that much momentum coming off. If if this was any if this was like a middle of the regular season game, there wouldn't be any. Because it's because just because of where Ottawa is in their rebuild and stuff like that, but given that it was coming off of a, a season opener, home opener, you know, so much speculation about how the team's going to work. It to me, it just it makes sense uh, that that we have as much momentum going into this, and I think we'll win both games, man. I think we're going to start the season off three and zero. I'm going to knock on wood. And uh, yeah, that's my prediction. If I'm gonna give my prediction, it's gonna be that we're gonna we're gonna beat Columbus. Uh, I'm gonna give Columbus. I'm gonna say we'll beat Columbus by one goal. I don't want to pick 
how many. And I think we're gonna. I think we'll uh, we'll we'll shut out. I said the word against Montreal. That's what I'm calling. Ooh. At least. Well, be, you know what? Yep. Something else to be had this weekend too. On I Friday. Talk about it real quick. Is on Friday night we have the Milton Menace and the Markham Royals playing, and it is fire prevention safety. Obviously, you need to check that out. Uh, you know, big thing going on for the Markham Royals. Now, there's something bigger going on, and Jason Trifon, I'm looking at you, and Jody, I'm looking at you as well. There is a bet that was started in the offseason before the teams hit the ice that the Markham Royals will defeat the Milton Menace in this game. And I'm telling you right now, if the Milton Menace wins, I have to rock a Milton Menace hat. And Jason, if you're listening or you hear this, you guys need to send me this hat if you want me to wear it. That's no problem. But I'll tell you right now, you guys will be rocking some Markham Royals gear because it's go Royals, go. You guys will be bending the knee in the kingdom. But it's always great to watch junior hockey, guys. It's going to be some wicked games this weekend. So be sure to check out the Markham Royals. Be sure to check out the Milton Menace and all of the OJHL because on this very podcast, you get to hear the voice of the OJHL, and that is Doug J. Ireland. I give a tip of cap to this guy. He's constantly working in junior hockey, constantly looking to help teams improve their in-game experience. So the OJ is an adept to Doug Ireland. And, Doug, I cannot wait to see the Royals defeat the Milton Menace. Well, I'm going to make it as hard as possible for Milton to win. That's my job. That's what I enjoy doing is uh, give my team the best possible chance to win, uh, give them as much momentum as I can. And if you're in Markham, you should come out to the Markham Centennial Center and watch this hockey game. It's going to be a good one. It's a great opportunity to learn about fire safety. On top of all that, we're gonna. I think we're, there's going to be a fire truck there. There's going to be firemen there if that's if you're into that sort of thing. So <laughs> come on out to the Markham Centennial Center. There's details up on MarkhamRoyals.ca. But for right now, we're going to go over to our uh, interview that we taped earlier this week with Mark Jocelyn of the Toronto Patriots. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another special edition of Offside Hockey Talk. It is the OJHL edition, and tonight we are sitting down with Mark Jocelyn to talk about the Toronto Junior Patriots. Mark, how are you this evening, my friend? I'm doing okay, doing okay. Just uh, actually going over some video um, of our game last night. Uh, we had we had uh, video difficulty in the North York uh, double overtime loss, so can't watch that one, but I'm watching last night's game and some of the Georgetown game, which I had to unfortunately miss. So, video night, we, we have no practice today, so it's all about video and trying to trying to uh, figure out what we, uh, what we need to do to, uh, to get better. Well, Mark, uh, I know you're going through a tough time, so I just wanted to take the time to thank you for joining us on Offside Talk. Uh, really appreciate it, buddy. My pleasure. Um, again, Doug, yeah, I want to stay live in front of uh, all the listeners. Um, the class act that you are and what you did for me and my family with a moment of silence on uh, Saturday night for my mom, all, all apparently your idea. Um, forever grateful and, and will never forget. And I, uh, I pray my mom was up there watching and, uh, and watching the national anthem and listening to your, to your little spiel. So again, uh, something I'll never ever forget. So thank you. Uh, no, not a, not a problem at all, Mark. Um, uh, guy like you deserves the best. Um, but, uh, 
One thing that I really want to uh, to ask you about, because I wasn't able to catch the game against St. Mike's. What the hell happened? Because yeah. I look up and I see a 10 to 6 <laughs> score, and I'm just like, what What the hell kind of hockey game is that? Especially after you just said the, the double overtime loss. Like, what what happened? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I Obviously, St. Mike's has been struggling defensively, and, and, and they've had some goaltending issues. They started their backup, Carsley. We started our backup, Selby Warren, and... Uh, we had a great start, and uh, you know we we were beating them five nothing and seven two, I believe, the last time we played them, and kind of took the foot off the pedal, and and it was kind of almost like last shot wins, but I mean just just little things, attention to detail, on on assignments and back checks and stuff. Kind of both teams, I'd say, let the goalies out to out to dry a little bit, but oh, yeah. I mean it's a road win and and it's ugly, but you know what, we're gonna take it any day. Yep, that's uh, that's the attitude you got to have when, uh, especially 16 goals in a game like that. Just that must have been nuts. Uh, I feel for the uh, the St. Mike's PA announcer because I know how tough it is to call 16 goals in a game. Uh, so you're so uh, like uh, I kind of like I look at the all the scores that we've had so far, and I'm wondering like how yeah. much of a parallel was there between like that game against St. Mike's and what you saw against like Brampton, which was another uh, game where we gave up I think six goals. And North York, where we gave up five goals, are you seeing like a pattern there, or is it, uh, or is it just like you know, something different each time? Uh, it's a bit of a pattern where we we have some we have some excellent starts, um, you know, and we get some real big key timing saves. There's definitely some goals we've given up that our goaltenders want back, and we'll take some of the blame for them. We've talked to Mario, and I'll talk to Shelby tomorrow practice. Um, definitely some goals that they want back. So you know, it's a little bit of that, but. It, Again, it, you know, it starts with our defense and our forwards and missing assignments. And then if the goalies aren't there to make the saves for you, it just compounds down. So, I mean, we're scoring at four and a half, five goals per game, yeah. four, which is fantastic yeah. the rate we're scoring. But that's, you know, that's going to change come January, February when it comes down to the crunch. But we're just giving up too many right now. And, it, you know, again, it's okay in the end of September, early October, but it's going to come back to haunt us if we don't fix some things. And, I mean, we're working hard at it. We're working diligently. We do a lot of video these guys are these guys are trying. They they really are the new guys. They're trying to buy in. They're trying to get it. It's just taking some time. But I mean, we don't even think we're playing as good as we possibly can, and we've still got a pretty good record. So we're we're quite happy with that. I mean, I know you don't probably don't want to talk about it, but the the, the double overtime loss on Saturday it took a heck of a lot of character for the guys to dig deep down in that third period. There was you know it was four two at the beginning of that period, and we were just they were all over North York. Like it wasn't wasn't even a question about in my mind at that point who deserved to win just based if you had if you could break it down to one period we we should have won that game and i just i love seeing that amount of effort and that amount of heart from the guys and yeah i just wanted your thoughts on uh, on that even though it's tough <laughs> yeah the the the, the care no they, honestly Dougie, you're right though the character in the dressing room um uh before games after games practices it's fantastic the leadership group has been fantastic so far we're keeping a close eye on them because leadership is important we didn't have uh we didn't keep an eye on it last year as much as we should have so that's on us as a coaching staff this year it's been fantastic so far touch wood um but i mean i i believe i believe so far the third period against wellington who's an excellent hockey team and the third period against north york when we were down we put ourselves in a bit of a hole but the character we showed in the in the resilience in that third period against North York, you know, I'm thinking we probably had the puck in their zone about 80% of that third period. Oh yeah, and fired a lot of pucks at net. They did a great job boxing out and, and and blocking shots and whatnot. But you know, those two periods they stick out in my mind that we showed some good character there. We deserved a better fate after the way we played in the last 30 minutes. 
you know, and they got one, in, you know, early in the second overtime. So it was good to get a point after being down 4-2 on the third. But, I mean, we showed some real good character. So, I mean, if we can continue on that trait, you know, and then a heartbreaking loss, and then we come back the next day on the road, you know, 12 hours later and, and score 10. So yep. there's there's some real good signs here, real yep. good signs. Yeah, 14 goals in two games. That's, I mean, that you just look at that, and that's just a little crazy. Uh, speaking of standout characters, I, I was wondering if you wanted to say a little bit about uh, Jackson Alexi, who has – 15 points in nine games, like that's kind of ridiculous. And then you got you got Birch and uh, Spadafora, the guys, and all with 11, t- uh, 10, 11, and 12 goals each. Uh, yeah, just you want to talk a bit, a bit about Alexi and the other guys that are just lighting it up lately? Yeah, well, you know what? Everybody's getting an opportunity. I mean, we're rolling lines for the most part, which is great. So that shows that shows our depth right now. But Jackson last year, coming in as a second-year guy, he got off to an incredible start where he had four goals and in three games or four games and then uh we went to the showcase and he banged up his knee um and missed substantial time and then just didn't really really get back in his groove but i mean he was off to an incredible start and then had an unlucky bad injury knee and this year he's, he's off to that great start again and obviously you know we pray he stays healthy because he's been a he's been a leader on the on the ice and off the ice and and this is the start that he deserves and he's getting rewarded for ice time wise and if he keeps rolling, we're in, you know, we're in pretty good shape if he keeps rolling because everybody else is, everybody else is following his lead. You know, our power play's doing pretty good, and Spadafore's on that first unit with him and Birch. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Connor Cole, they're, they're all contributing, and it's, uh, you know, we're showing our depth. Our third line, which we're very happy with, with Hippolyte Smith and Mansfield and Pinelli, you know, a good addition. Um, they got one last night, but they've been struggling. But, I mean, they're getting lots of chances to play in the right way. So, I mean, we've got a, we've got a real good potential offensive line there that, hasn't really gelled yet but it's a good sign that we're still winning and we and we haven't you know got a huge contribution from them on the scoreboard but we're getting it you know other things and and away from the scoreboard kind of thing so we're we're still we're still fine and not in panic mode whatsoever with those guys absolutely those those depth players uh, they're the ones that you know showing heart can be the most difficult because you know you look up and you don't see the you don't see the points necessarily on the uh, the stat sheet and it's just it's something you got to know as a coach or as a fan or, or whatever that to, to be able to pick up on on the heart that comes from those guys uh speaking of heart i was wondering uh how you're feeling that uh how, how you're feeling with paracayo as captain you know a defenseman he's got eight points in, in nine games so that's uh, to me that's that's solid as a defense if you're if you're getting a point per game but i was just wondering if uh how, how you feel he stepped into his role as captain so far this year well, you know, some guys, some guys are good leaders, and and uh, and then you put a letter on their jersey, and sometimes they they feel the pressure, and they and they change the way they play, the way they think. But I think Mar- Marcello's done a great job of that. I mean, last year he came in, I knew him from previous minor minor hockey years. Um, he came in and gelled right away with the existing guys, and obviously had an incredible playoff run. So he came into camp, he was in shape, he was hungry, he was gung ho. He communicated over the summer about how excited he was. And it was a no-brainer for us to give him that C. And, uh, I mean, he stepped up. His assistant captains are supporting him well. And, uh, you know, I know he's still got more in him, believe it or not. I know, like, he's putting up almost a point a game. But I know he's got more in him and he can play better defensively. And he knows that, too. So, I mean, uh, there's there's a huge, there's a bright future for him to have an outstanding year for us. Absolutely. Uh, another defenseman that's been getting it done is is Nole, who, who's uh, – he's got three goals and six assists. So, so again, another point per goal – uh, point per game guy on on defense and uh, yeah, just how you feeling about Nole and uh, what would you like to see more out of him? Would you like to see less out of him? 
Now, you know what? Justin, Justin's a stud. There's no question about it. People oh, yeah. talk about him. All the scouts, he had a lot of Division One looks at the Buffalo Showcase, which is fantastic for him. He's earned it. He deserves it. We were actually very very nervous that we were going to lose him to Sarnia in the OHL when we went to their camp because he's certainly good enough to play in that league. Thank God um, it worked out for us. He'll get a Division One scholarship anytime you'll see him. And, you know, I think Ari Davies, and he's in the, you know, top top two or three D in the entire league, in my opinion. Um, you know, Dirk Static's right up there with him for sure. But uh, yes. Justin is uh, Justin's a quiet, quiet leader that every single player on our team looks up to. He doesn't need a letter on his jersey. As, as Dirk, same thing. They, they, they're they just leaders. And, and Justin, uh, I think Justin's going to have an unbelievable breakout year and, and get his get his worth and get a D1 anytime soon. Now, uh, we got uh, two games coming up this weekend. We got the uh, the uh, Battle of Toronto uh, over at Westwood on uh, Saturday. And then you're, we're off to play North York once again on uh, Sunday. I'm just wondering, uh, going into the game against the Junior Canadians, you know, they're, they're four wins, three losses. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't, like, I'm going to, you know, they're, they're another team that I work for, so I don't want to say they're struggling, but they kind of are. I'd say that they're underperforming, and I'm just wondering if there's, uh, there's anything specific that you're looking to see out of the team against the uh, Junior Canadians on Saturday. Well, again, I agree with you. I think they're struggling a little bit, but I think they're a very good team. I look up and down their lineup, and I know they're well coached. Um, with Vince, you know, they got, they're systematic, they're, they're, they're structured. Um, you know, we're finding ways to win, even if we're not playing great, and, and maybe it's the opposite for them right now. So, you know, you know it'll turn around. It's a divisional game. We've got two divisional games. You, you've got to win. You've got to win your divisional games to stay yeah. on top so you get that home ice and stuff like that. So, they're, they're you know, very, very important games for us. Um, you know, that quick turnaround again, like yesterday, we always find it hard to play the same goalie back-to-back when you play at night and then the next afternoon. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, not sure what we'll do there, but obviously we'll just worry about Saturday right now, and that's a big one at home, and, and uh, try to stay on top of those guys and then and then hope for the best one. Uh, hopefully get a good result Saturday and then, you know, take Sunday when it comes. Uh, we, we seem to have, like, a lot of games where it's like uh, nothing for four or five days and then bang, bang, two games back in a row. Is that frustrating to deal with as a coach, or is that, you know – something you just got to take and, and know that it, the, the schedule is going to come around and, and make a bit more sense in like a few weeks or a few months. Yeah. You know what? I don't mind it. I, I mean, I, there's, I think there's two different times this year. We'll play three and three Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's tough. Um, I don't mind not playing during the week because we really focus and get our three practices and that helps so much because we'll do video as well. And, you know, we just focus on the things that we need to get better at and need to fix. And, and then the Thursday normally, we'll gear the practice towards who we're playing on the weekend. So we'll look at Junior Canadians' video and their systems, and then we'll we'll gear practice towards that. So, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, keep the kids buzzing, keep moving, and then Thursday, a little more specific on who we're playing and what we're doing. Um, so, I, you know, I honestly don't mind having a week off and then playing back-to-back on a weekend. I mean, it keeps the kids, keeps the kids going, keeps them in shape, and gets them ready to go back-to-back days. So I'm totally fine with it. December December's a tough month. We've got a lot of games over the holidays and stuff, so that that'll be challenging for us. But other than that, I, I don't mind the schedule whatsoever. Well, Mark, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I I know you're a busy guy, and I know it's been a tough week for you. And I just got to say, you're always welcome on Offside Hockey Talk whenever you want. Um, if you, if you ever want to come on and talk the Leafs, of course we can do that as well. Um, I feel like at some point we're gonna have to sit down and talk about the the Sioux Greyhounds and and how Diener's doing up with uh, with with the Sioux. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to thank you for coming on, and uh, it's always a pleasure having you on Offside Talk, It's man. definitely a pleasure, Mark. I always thank you for coming My on. My pleasure. You guys do a great job for us that are 
Well, you guys do a great job. I love it. You make us, uh, you make us, like I said before, more professional than we are. And I'm, uh, I'm on board to help out any time, whether it's talking about the Leafs or Diener, my buddy Diener and the Street Greyhounds, or, or the Patriots or our league, anything. Anytime you guys need, let me know and I'm on. Ah, you're a beauty, Mark. Thanks so much, man. Okay. Hey, have a good night, Mark. I uh, appreciate enjoy you. The rest of you. Yep, you guys enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we'll see you soon enough. Yep, I'll see, you, I'll see you on Saturday for sure. Cheers, Mark. You got her. And that was Mark Jocelyn of the Toronto Junior Patriots. As you heard, he's dealing with a loss right now, and we send our thoughts and condolences to Mark and his family. Um, you heard about Doug and his moment of silence. Those things matter the most. Hockey is a family, and we all like to come together in these times to make sure that one another knows we're always with them and we stand together no matter what. So, Mark, our thoughts again are with you. And have a great night.